Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by my company, 6th Ave Storytelling. In 2020, we launched a marketing company on a mission to encourage entrepreneurship and make starting and growing a small business easier than ever before. Since then, we have helped hundreds of small businesses and entrepreneurs grow their brands by giving them the tools, resources, strategy, and support they need to craft and share their stories. If you are thinking about launching and growing your own brand, schedule a meetup with me today. I would love to talk to you. Head over to 6thAvStorytelling.com and let me show you how the storytelling approach can transform your marketing strategy. This episode is sponsored in part by Pre-Kindle, the platform designed to empower event creators to develop the best experiences possible for their communities. Did you know that Pre-Kindle was actually founded in DFW and is still headquarters in Dallas? Well, now you do. We love local businesses and Pre-Kindle is one of the best. With a best-in-class platform of features, no long-term contracts, low service fees, responsive mobile-friendly event pages, and friendly and attentive support, Pre-Kindle is my personal favorite ticketing and marketing platform for any event. Anytime I'm planning something with my band, Green River Ordinance, Pre-Kindle is our go-to platform to use. With an impressive roster of event creators, menus, and entertainment destinations across the nation, Pre-Kindle's hands down the best. In DFW alone, they've partnered with incredible spaces like the Granada Theater, Panther Island Pavilion, the Kessler, Will Rogers Coliseum, the Fort Worth Modern, Tulips, Rizik Lunar, and more. If you have been to an event or venue in DFW, I promise you have likely been using Pre-Kindle and you didn't even know it. Beyond ticketing, Pre-Kindle also helps automatically promote your event. With over 500,000 subscribers in North Texas and partnerships with event discovery sites like Bands in Town, Spotify, Google, they're set up to also help you spread the word. So go to prekindle.com, that's P-R-E-K-I-N-D-L-E.com and click get started to begin using the platform. They are on a mission to bring your event to life. Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice. I'm joined by my co-host. Oh, Jimmy Williams. <laughs> I thought we were introducing here. We're about to introduce. Yeah. And today we have, man, a, a really, really neat, special, cool, exciting guest, Pam Minnick. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, so in, in the intro, I always kind of give give like the highlight reel. Um, these, these are things they've done. And, and I don't normally read the bio. I ask for the bio. But your bio is so good and kind of so crazy. I'm going to read the whole thing. 
And I do it because I kind of want to like say it in front of you because people always feel a little awkward. And I'm then reading. I'll say that needs to be edited. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, I'm, I'm going to read this. So if, if you don't know who Pam Minnick is, you're about to. And you probably do if you're from Fort Worth. But she was named Miss Rodeo when she was 19 years old, which propelled Pam into a lifetime of marketing, broadcasting, and community service. She's one of the most recognized women in the equine world. Did I say that right? Equine. Equine world. <laughs> Gosh, I'm already messing this up. Earning her spots in the National Cowgirl Hall of Fame, the National Cowboy Hall of Fame, the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame, and the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. Pam has hosted more than 1,000 television shows, <laughs> which is crazy, uh, on ESPN, TNN, NBC, CBS, the Outdoor Network, RFD TV, and the Cowboy Channel. She is currently the host of The American Rancher, a series dedicated to the cattle industry and gentle giants focusing on draft beads, breeds. As a competitor, Pam is a former world championship breakaway, breakaway calf roper and 16 times finalist in team roping. Also crazy numbers. In 2020, uh, Pam turned her focus to the AQHA, American Court Association, yeah, good job. Uh, versatility events and won the reserve world champion at the AQ, AQHA World Championship show. Which was crazy. I, I don't even know what this means, so I'm going to ask you about this. Okay. And then you followed it up in 2022. <laughs> you were the reserve championship at the Versatility Ranch Horse Show. <laughs> I, we're going to unpack that. Yes. But for more than three decades, she has also uh, served the Fort Worth community as a tireless supporter of the Fort Worth Stockyards. Uh, she recently retired, I think for the second time. Yes. <laughs> after 30 years as the marketing director of Billy Bob's, where she and her husband, Billy, are co-owners. Uh, she created most of Billy Bob's most famous advertising campaigns, for which she received the Dateline Award from the American Advertising Federation in 2015. Billy Bob's is kind of like how I mainly knew about you, and then there's all this other one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so like, how does she have time to do all that? Plus, she's on the board of various nonprofit organizations around North Texas, including the National Cowgirl Museum and Hall of Fame, the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame. She's president of the Friends of the Fort Worth Herd, which is the big herd in the stockyards mm -hmm. with Longhorns, the past president of Speedway Children's Charities. In 2006, the Fort Worth Business Press named Pan Great Woman of Texas and recently awarded her the Legend Award. In 2016, Pam was the first woman to receive the prestigious Western Horseman of the Year Award. And in 2020, she was presented the Legacy of Rodeo Award at the National Finals Rodeo held in North Texas. Pam and Billy live on a small ranch in Argyle, Texas with horses, cattle, donkeys, and dogs. So now you know my story. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Leave okay. it now. So I, I again. And that's kind of embarrassing. But there's a lot more, too, because I went on oh, like a okay. Google deep dive last night. Um, it, and and I I knew who you were ma mainly from Billy Bob's, mm -hmm. like just from being in the music world and being in Fort Worth. Like everybody knows who who you are. I would I would I would argue. Um, but I don't know. Did you know who I was, Jimmy? Absolutely. Oh gosh, <laughs> I, was, I was like, can we stump Jimmy? You're, you're yeah. like you're a Fort Worth sort of icon. It kind of it would. just means you're old. No, so. Bill, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people people don't know, but okay. but you, I mean, really, you, you shaped the stockyards in a huge way and especially as far as i'm concerned like in the music world i mean just created this game changer legendary place but okay so my first question i always want like how do i want to tee things up my question is when you're at a party and you like meet someone and you're like hey i'm pay him what do you say you do i mean this background is so nuts like are you like i'm uh, in the rodeo business i'm in the entertainment business i'm in the I own a music venue. I don't know how I how I describe what I do because I do just like before we started. I was like, oh, and I edit. Um, yeah, she just told us that she edits her own 
videos, TV, show. TV yeah. shows. <laughs> um, so, but how do you describe yourself? Oh, I'm not in the hot seat right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. I mean, so, because nothing that I do feels like a job to me. Yeah. Nothing right. that I do. And so I think that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't tell people. It depends on what I'm doing. Well, but you've had the this conversation great, goes. like from rodeo to business. I mean, it's, it's to t- this t- a TV personality. Yeah. But if I had to say, if I had to pick a world yeah. word to describe me, I would say cowgirl. Cowgirl. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's, that's who I am. Um, every day I get up. I mean, I was at the barn at seven o'clock this morning. And if I wasn't here with you all, I would have ridden a horse today. So that's what you I You ride am. every day? I try to ride every day. It doesn't always happen. Um, I didn't ride this morning and depending on when I get home this evening. What what happens with my life? Uh-huh. I don't have to. But I, and and that I would say that's probably some of the 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 key to your success is this authenticity of you, you just that's who you are. You're a cowgirl and you like horses and and that's been part of your that's, life. That's who I am. Um can you okay this when I saw this, it kind of blew my mind, and I want to clarify what it what it means. You did some research. <laughs> we're gonna, we're we gonna have a it. bunch of we have a bunch of small we have a bunch of stories. small notes. But so, talk about it, it's one it's one thing. So you 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 were you won you were the world champion breakaway calf roper. Mm-hmm. When, when was that? Nineteen eighty two. Nineteen eighty two. When were you born? Eighty four. <laughs> <laughs> just just wanted to put it in perspective there. <laughs> yeah. So, but that, but that tees, tees up this question. And then you were 16 times finalist. Mm-hmm. But, okay, here's what's crazy. Is in 2020, and then in 22, you won these American Quarter Horse Association. And that's something I'm kind of proud of. You because, should be, what, explain um, what that even is. So, in rodeo, um, <laughs> you're, you're familiar with calf roping and team roping. Yeah. And breakaway calf roping now is really big with, with women. Um, and I'm proud that I was kind of in, you know, maybe a pioneer in that regard. Um, and so won my world championship for, gosh, 2022 to 40 years ago, did not even equate that. So 40 years ago, I was a world champion uh, breakaway calf roper. But then I've always competed in team roping. I mean, I still compete in team roping. This episode of Stories with Soul is sponsored in part by Project 202, the leader in experience-driven software strategy, design, and development. Whether you're looking to build a new software solution, redesign your mobile app, or kick off a digital transformation initiative, Project 202's customized approach creates solutions that work for your customers. Customer experience drives engagement, and cultivating that experience requires a ton of attention and time. Project 202 is local and has 18 years of design leadership. This team is an expert in using customer-centric methods to build compelling data-driven customer experiences. Wherever you're at in your business journey, the diverse team at Project 202 will guide you from idea to execution. Go to project202.com. That's P-R-O-J-E-K-T-202.com and click contact to begin winning the hearts of your customers and exceeding your business goals today. This episode is sponsored by the Fort Worth Business Press. As a Fort Worth entrepreneur and small business owner, the Business Press is my favorite source for news and updates about the entrepreneurial community in and around Fort Worth. I read their email newsletter literally every day. It's always full of insights and stories that really matter. Are you ready to be more connected? Sign up for their free newsletter at fortworthbusinesspress.com. But 
If you're like me and the newsletter just isn't enough, you can become an insider. With the code STORYTELLING10, all one word, you'll get a discount on the insider membership. Insiders receive exclusive access to special content, 24 issues of the Business Press delivered to your door each year, and discounts on event registrations and more. Join me and the Fort Business Press in staying up to date on the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. But um, a few years ago, my husband went with our neighbor to the Fort Worth Stock Show Ranch Horse, Invitational Ranch Horse Sale, Mm -hmm. where they sell these super nice horses that are very well trained. They, they They use them in the ranch horse competition, but they also have, you know, super skills. So my husband goes to this sale and come with his friend, mm-hmm. not anticipating buying a horse. And his friend texts me. I'm at the movie with one of our granddaughters. And he texts me. He goes, look what Billy just bought you. And it's this cutest horse. And I'll show you a picture of him. He looks like an overgrown My Little Pony. I mean, he's got uh-huh. all this. He's got this Fabio. He's got this Jamie hair. Yeah. He's got this Fabio hair, beautiful tail. And he's just the kindest horse. And he bought him for me as a rope horse. Well, I've got another friend. Which who, I'm assuming that's like buying a car or something. Like he just bought a horse. He was like, wasn't planning yeah, on it. Yeah, it wasn't planning the, on the it. Spirit, but, the spirit hit him. The, and, and he had, you know, they have to demonstrate all the horses. And he saw that the horse had, you know, real skill. And so um, so I was roping on the horse and my friend was over at my house and she was watching Smart. His name is Smarty, Smarty Move. And she goes, you know, Smarty would do well at this ranch horse competition. And, um, so it just so happened. So then I saw, and then 2020 hits, you know, and everybody's sequestered, but online, this girl had these virtual ranch horse, ranch riding shows. So where you video yourself and send it in and you get judged. Well, I do that had never been to a show before, but I do that. And I, and I was, I did well, the judges, you get either pluses or minuses for your maneuvers. It's kind of, I guess, like skateboarding at the Olympics, you know, you, uh-huh. you're either a plus or a minus on your, on your maneuver. And so you didn't have to qualify that year for the world show. So I enter the AQHA having, world Having show. never done it before. Having never done it before. <laughs> you and Smarty. But me and Smarty like that. <laughs> I mean, you can ride, this but I had never like... done these. Dis- I had never been judged because in rodeo, well, the riding events are, are judged, but Everything is time. Barrel racing is time. Breakaway roping is time. Team roping is time. So that was a whole new experience for, to me. To you get feel to slow down. Vul- and to feel that vulnerable because okay. you know, when you think you killed it and then you get a negative for the, you know. Uh, so, but yeah, we went to the world show 70 in the class and ended up with a reserve world championship, which means we were second best in the class. Wow. So or like my rodeo buddies say, first loser. But so yeah. I have like, <laughs> yeah. but like so, some people have like a COVID. I'm I'm stuck at home. I'm kind of bored. I'm gonna take up so knitting. Yeah, knitting. Yeah. I, I took up like drinking wine, which is yeah. not, not <laughs> so, but You're like to, like when this was your sort of COVID hobby. This was my COVID hobby, mm-hmm. and you went and won second place in the entire world. Yeah, and, and a it, thing that you have never done before. And. I just have it. It's just, it was, it was meant to be. And I learned so much here. I am, you know, closer to 70 than I am to 60 and have learned more in the last two years showing in that discipline than I knew about riding for my 
for the did first you, six years. Did you years. get a trainer or how did you, yeah, yeah, or were you just watching yeah. YouTube videos or how no, did you? I, the, uh, actually, the girl that was putting on the virtual shows, uh-huh. she adopted me. Okay. And she was like, you're good, but you can be so much better if you do this, this, and this. And so, so now she's my trainer. And I, and I feel so, um, so snotty to say that's my trainer. Uh-huh. But, um, but I found out through this, much like anything else, you need somebody, a different set of eyes. You need somebody to say, oh, your arm's doing this or your leg's doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not it's not just fastest time wins. So it's been fun. That's so cool. And and then the 2022, you, you won the versatility race. Yeah, I followed up with the same, and this the is same a, horse. And this is a different type of competition? Uh, a little bit different because they do it outside, not in an arena. They do it no. outside in a field, uh, jumping over trees and things like that. And so Smarty again rose to the occasion. Man, <laughs> you're like, Billy, thank you for buying this horse. I know. I know. That yeah. is so cool. Okay. And don't, don't act like he doesn't take credit for it. Either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They did a, a story about, about Smarty and me winning in, in the American Quarter Horse Journal. And of course, Billy's right there in the picture. So. Oh, yeah. Taking and, credit. And yeah. you, and you, ro- you still rope. Yes. And still compete. I mean mm-hmm. that, and that's that's like a fast action. That is slightly yeah. dangerous, intense. Um, slightly dangerous. I still have all my fingers. A lot of my friends don't. Um, but I'm cautious. I love it. <laughs> and how how often do you do that still? Um, well, I've still got cattle at the house, so we can rope anytime we want to. So, so yeah, so yeah. part of your I yeah. ride almost especially every day. like today the the. It's cool, cooler than yeah. it's been this summer. Um, the ground's going to be perfect because we had a smidge of rain and um, run the cattle up, put the wraps on and go rope. So put this into perspective. How many other people are competing at your age? And I'm not saying we're not age is just a number, right? Mm-hmm. But like how many people like are you seeing competing? Like what's the reaction? They're like, oh, it's just Pam. She's kind of like invincible she just does this or is it like there are other people that are like this uh, i would say that in in a class of 70 maybe more than a quarter of them are over 50 or over 60 okay so yeah and okay. so and then what's the average age like probably 35 maybe i okay. love that yeah. you're just dominating <laughs> the, okay the, but, uh, the, the thing is, is other than the number on my driver's license, I wore the same size clothes that I wore when I was 20. Yeah. My, I still have the same sick sense of humor and, <laughs> and, and I still have my own teeth. So yeah. other than the age on my driver's license, I don't, you don't feel, I don't feel, what, do, yeah. you, do you work, do you work out or is this is like your workout? No, right? that my barn is my workout. I wish You're I worked lifting out. lifting saddles. Um, and- yeah. But my husband got the workout gene. I'm so sad. I used to go to a place called Optimal Force Fitness. Uh-huh. They're on Foch and right around the corner. Yeah, right down the street from where um, we are. And where it was a 20-minute workout once a week uh-huh. and full-body workout. And then they closed during COVID. But that was my, that's uh-huh. that's all the time I got. I got a full day. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah you're. I, riding, I got 20 riding, minutes. Riding but, horses. Yeah. I mean, the core. Yeah. And the, it's, it's a real good core exercise. But, so, so here's what, here's what I love I about you. I don't recommend that. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure my doctor would like for me to have more cardio, but uh-huh. not going to happen. Yeah. yeah but you. So what, what I love about you, just as an admirer from the distance, is you're this juxtaposition of like TV, polished, pretty, prim, proper personality 
marketing and running this giant, crazy, one of the craziest music venues in the entire country. And then also a roping and <laughs> riding. It's just this like this, what, what is this? It's like this juxtaposition of all these kind of wild things. So t- That's take what a- cowgirls do. <laughs> Not all cowgirls, but <laughs> the, maybe the tenacity in the spirit yes, of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, because- you know, that's one of the things that they say at the cowgirl, cowgirl Hall of Fame, that, that cowgirl doesn't just mean um, riding and roping. A cowgirl is really a spirit. Mm-hmm. So, Could you describe that a little bit more? Yeah. yeah. Like, what does that mean to you? Um, it means taking chances. A door opens, you walk through it, not being afraid to say yes, even if you're, if you think the, that the answer should be no, but you say yes anyway and try it. You know, you think about the, to the pioneer women, you know, they were driving the covered wagons. They would stop and make camp, fix dinner, maybe birth a baby and get back on the road the next day. So it just, that's what a cowgirl is. And, and it's no different in 2022 to somebody that's not afraid to take a, to chance. Take a chance or l- have a heavy lift. Yeah. And there's some, some bravery and then vulnerability because you might mm-hmm. fail. It yeah, might, you it, might fail. It might, it might not go well. A so, ton of grit. And a ton of grit. I just yeah. feel like grit is the word. Yeah. Grit is a good word. Yeah. Okay. And you have just, you have, you had a lot of, part of, you know, the juxtaposition having all these careers is you took some risks and followed your heart and followed your passions. Mm-hmm. Are, are you someone that just like, do you have do you have to think about that? Do you ever like second guess yourself or are you like I just do it? It's just part of my My husband says I say yes first and then <laughs> think okay, how whether it's serving on a board or speaking at an event or taking on a challenge, he he said most people think about it before they say yes and you say yes and then and then find a it. way to do it. So take us back. So you're born in Las Vegas. Were you like that as a kid? Were you just, were you kind of brave as a kid? Like, my mother was. Okay. And my mom would not allow us to say the word can't. Oh, I love if that. If we said, if, you know, if, you know how little kids are, you know, you want to encourage them and they say, I can't. And she mm-hmm. would not let us say can't in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like all little, my mother never rode a horse. My dad never rode a horse um, till the day they passed away. But like all little girls, I wanted a horse and my mom found a way to get us one. And we were, you know, I mean, we were, we didn't know we were poor, but looking back on it, we were probably the poor kids. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. we had one pair of shoes and then later one pair of cowboy boots. It wasn't like a closet full, you know? Yeah. And so, um, but we didn't know it, you know, we, we didn't know what we, what we didn't have. And then, uh, so th- when I was nine, she, my sister was seven, I was nine. She got us these two horses and I was at school and said, I got a horse. And this girl said, well, you need to come to some gymkanas with us. That's like little play days, you know, they have barrel racing and pole bending. And, and so, well, but, but we didn't have a trailer or a truck, but the neighbor had a trailer. And, uh, the, but the first couple ones that we went to, that same girl that said, you need to go with us. Her parents came by and picked up my sister and I, mm-hmm. and we started going to, we didn't know anything. As so a, as in a, fact, we didn't even old. have a saddle. We rode bareback for the first little bit of time and borrowed a saddle. Then my aunt gave my sister and I a saddle that we shared. I would come out of the arena, take the saddle off, put it on my sister's horse. She would go in. Then oh we finally God. got two saddles. And then we joined 4-H and literally... 
everything I knew up until the time I got a trainer two years ago, I learned from 4-H. Wow. wow. Yeah. So were, did you guys own land? Did you, were you kind we of in did. the country? We had five acres okay. in Las Vegas, just south of the airport. Okay. And, um, and, and you, for no reason, there was no reason for us to even have five acres other than the fact that that was my mom, you know, sure, we're going to have a house and on land, you know, and, um, and so the day that she came home with these horses, when they dropped them off, we didn't even have a corral. My dad was out there. And (laughs) if you know the land in Las Vegas, it's this caliche. I mean, it's just, he's out there digging T posts and putting in railroad ties, made the corrals that day. I mean, it's just, I look back on it and we didn't have a shelter for them. It's 114 degrees. I mean, there's so much we didn't know, but they survived and we survived. And that, that first horse, um, that's a whole nother story. What what was your first horse's name? Rebel. Rebel. Oh my gosh. How (laughs) what a great name. (laughs) And my sister's horse was Rio and they were matching Palominos and, um, they had come to Vegas. Ironically, how life comes full circle. There was going, you know how there's all those themed hotels in Vegas. Mm-hmm. At the time, there weren't that many. I mean, there was the Flamingo, the Sahara. There was going to be this hotel called Western World. So they brought these horses in to pull a wagon up and down the strip. That was their marketing mm-hmm. that had a big covered wagon that said Western World coming. Yeah. It was going to be a Western themed amusement center. Uh-huh. Where do I work now? Yeah. <laughs> a Western right. thing. I mean, it's the just like. The equivalent of that. Yeah. You know, so, six years. So later. your pa- your parents obviously instilled in you that that spirit of of adventure. Of adventure. I mean, I, to to have a seven year old and nine year old be like, we want a horse, and you like, we don't have horses. We don't have like, your mom just went out and bought you three hundred dollars a piece. She paid for those horses, and you know that was probably a lot of money then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they, I'm assuming they were encouraging and supportive, mm-hmm. and and then mm-hmm. to take let you do 4-H and then help yeah. take you to all these competitions and the day we until the day they passed away never even got on those horses yeah that's that's but, and, crazy but i think that that's what kept my interest <clears throat> because we had to feed them we had to clean the stalls we had to take care of them. my mom and dad who knew nothing about them weren't going to go out and be like hey so had if you're given something that you don't appreciate or don't work for it it's not quite as sweet it taught you ownership yeah. Ownership. Ownership mm-hmm. and responsibility. Mm-hmm. So did you start to get good? Like at what point were you like, uh, like, I'm good at this. I'm going to compete. I'm when gonna... I, um, so I was nine at the time and in 4-H, they have two age divisions, 13 and under and 14 through 17. Um, when I was 12, I won the year-end high point in all eight events. They had eight events for them. And I won the year-end on that same horse rebel in all eight events. And I've got a big thing of trophies. There. And that's in the state or in the city or in the. That was in the Clark County. In the, in the, in yeah, the, in the yeah. county. And then later I won. Uh, yeah, I was the Nevada state barrel racing champion in high school rodeo. So I got, I wouldn't. You were the Nevada state champ, barrel racing ch- champion. Mm-hmm. And just with no like formal training other than just 4-H. And- well, once you do 4-H and you start going, that's the great thing about mm-hmm. this Western community nobody lets you fail. The same thing in bull riding. You know, mm-hmm. you wa- watch two guys that are competing for the same award, but they're not, they don't consider themselves competing against each other. Mm-hmm. It's with the animal mm-hmm. because yeah. there is that variable. No one in the, in the equine industry will let you fail. Yeah. 
Even uh, if you don't want advice, you'll get it. And and that that's you un- that's unique. I'm to assuming. any other sport, yeah. I think. You know. You had also I found a quote where you were also talking about like to and you kind of just hinted at this, but but part of like the, the cool thing about rodeo is there's this unpredictability of of the animal. It's like everything else is like skill. Yeah. But you strap on this thing. Yeah. That you can only control so much. Yeah. And um and even with Smarty as well trained as he is and the success that I've had in these um events, what I, I don't tell you about the time right after this reserve championship this year, mm-hmm. I went in the next class and took the wrong lead. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was a cue that my butt or legs did because he but it's not, you're never on autopilot, never on autopilot. What does taking the wrong lean mean? Okay. So when a yeah. horse, when a, yeah, when a horse lopes in a circle to the, to the right, his right lead like yeah. leads uh-huh. or to the left, his left leg leads. And so you're judged on those maneuvers. And so, gotcha. so I guess my butt cheek went the wrong way and he picked up the wrong lead. Oh. So, and so, so I went from winning the class before to being at the bottom half of the class. Mm. So th- that, that that variable, you know, and team roping, you've got two horses, a steer. There's just it. That's I think that's part of the challenge. And your brain is like yeah, thinking yeah. of so many things. Um, hopefully so, not. Hopefully brain's <laughs> on autopilot. Yeah, but there's a lot of like yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot on. of like moving things to 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 consider there. So parents were super encouraging. Super let encouraging. you do this. You started to get good. You you start winning awards in high school. Mm-hmm. Were you? So did you decide this is what I want to do? Like this is what I want to. I don't know that. Is that a thing know, people think about? Like I yeah, I don't know that it's any different than skateboarding or tennis or whatever. You just you know. So you weren't thinking I want to make a career of it. You were like, this is just what no, I do for fun. No, that, exactly. Because when I was in high school, I was modeling and I worked in the PR d- department of the Hacienda Hotel. So I would ride the bus after school to go to work at the PR department. And, um, and that's how I got my money for my entry fees. Oh, in high school. Mm -hmm. So you were working and then probably riding several Mm -hmm. hours a day too. And how did you, what were you like, what does that mean working in the PR department? What were you doing? Um, besides being, you know, uh, a lot of the, and that's really what set my foundation for marketing moving Mm -hmm. forward. You know, the, the education that I got, because I never went to college. So, you know, and reasonably successful at marketing, Billy Bob's and so I would I um, would say so. Are you a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Do you do marketing for a small business? If so, I have something that I want to give you and it's totally for free. We've put together a free resource at sixappstorytelling.com slash download. And it's the secrets, it's the tips, it's the tricks, it's the tools of the trade. It's literally everything we do at Six App Storytelling to help small businesses grow. Go download it today at sixappstorytelling.com slash download. Uh, <laughs> but what I, I would go after school, I would either pose for a picture because um, they did all these silly promotions. And so I was kind of like the house model. And did you, and, and did they like find you or did you apply for that? Or you're like, I applied for it. And, in the, and is that, was that weird? Like in the rodeo, like you're, I'm picturing this kind of like country em, environment, rodeo world. And then you're like, I'm also a model on the <laughs> side. Like, but you're in Vegas. I guess you're in Vegas. I mean, you're yeah. in, to me, you're in the Lights PR the capital of the world. Yeah, exactly. It, like, so, so I didn't think about that. I uh-huh. mean, um, 
because because I wasn't like in a big rodeo community. Yeah. Now the rodeo finals is in Vegas, but yeah. I was kind of like the hick girl okay. that wore boots to school. Uh-huh. In fact, now, <laughs> funny story I haven't connected with, but there's a kid that went to school with me that was like the big golfer there at the my high school, Valley High. Uh-huh. Um, and... Um, and now he lives in Lantana up by where, and we, we've connected via Facebook, but not in person. Yeah. But I was like, how do you remember me from school? He was like, because you wore boots to school every day. <laughs> so no one else is doing that. No, no. That's, that's what so, I find interesting is like your mom and dad didn't do rodeo. And like, there's this, I think as a, uh, you know, belief that you have to be either have a lot of money or you have to have a ranch to get into rodeo. Mm-hmm. You have to have, you know, like have all these things. Resources. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Y'all don't have any money. Your, yeah. your dad's building a corral, probably doesn't know what he's doing. He's no, no, no. Figuring it out. Hammer and nails. Yeah. yeah hammer and nails with some stakes driving into <laughs> clay um, in the desert, you know, and no one does it at your school. Yeah. And you're doing PR, like, and so. Yeah, this so, uh, so thing after is school, crazy. so I, um, I applied for a job. Uh, it was basically like a PR assistant, but I didn't, you know, and the hacienda was close to where we lived. It's where Mandalay Bay is now. Oh, and wow. so, um, and the, and it had a rearing Palomino horse as their mascot. And the lady that owned the hotel was kind of, she loved horses and Western stuff. So it just fit. And so, yeah, I would ride the bus there after school. And so, oh, you should see my scrapbook. It's just crazy because every picture of me is in a bikini out of a pool. You know, I'm, I'm 16 or 15 years old, you know, and so, you know. <laughs> And so that's cool. carrying a shotgun when it was hunting season. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're the corniest pictures ever. And, the, and that, that was sort of your introduction to this, this Mar- entertainment personality. Cause there's, there's marketing and there's also like, now you're, you're in front of people. You're poised. You're Vegas is just different. Marty Robbins sang at my 16th birthday party. Okay. How did that happen? I don't remember. I just remember <laughs> pictures of me with Marty Robbins, uh-huh. you know? So when, when we were six and seven, we got, went to, uh, my dad worked at the Flamingo and we went to dinner shows with, you know, Frank Sinatra and Wayne Newton. I mean, wow, Wayne Newton wasn't cool. even old enough to walk in through the hotel. He had to come in the back door. Uh-huh. And so when you grow up in Vegas, things are, are different. So you're around showbiz. And, and so yeah, you kind of, because yeah. that's the interesting thing is, again, like this, this gritty physical roping and riding mixed with I'm really good on camera and I've been on a thousand TV shows. So, so you, you went on to win the, the Miss Rodeo America, Miss Rodeo America. That's a whole nother story. We don't even have time for that. Give us the abbreviated version um, of that. So also in addition to working at the Hacienda on weekends, I rode horses for a gentleman, um, exercised his horses Mm -hmm. and they had the horsemanship competition for the Miss Rodeo America pageant at his ranch. And many of the competitors didn't know how to tie a goat. And that's a, it's kind of like tying a calf. So, Mm -hmm. and I said to him, being a smart ass 17 year old at the time, I said, I can't believe they think they're a cowgirl and they don't even know how to tie a goat. And he said, if you think it's so easy, why don't you enter? So the next year, so this was November, Uh the next year I entered in May, our local uh, rodeo queen pageant, Miss Helderado. That's the pageant, and I won. Uh-huh. And then, and are so, you? Is it like you're riding? Are you you're, singing? Your you... uh, personality, appearance, and horsemanship. Okay. So personality, yep, yep, yep. Answer yeah. questions. Uh, appearance, western clothes, no yeah. bathing suits. 
um, horsemanship, obviously. And so I won that in May. Then that propels you to your just just like pageant things Mm -hmm. around here. You do local, then state, then national. So in uh, uh, September, State Fair in in Reno, I compete as Miss El Dorado for Miss Rodeo Nevada. I won that. And two months later, I go to the Miss Rodeo America pageant. And nobody was more surprised than me when I won. Did your parents go? Did they like? Yes. Yes. Uh My parents went. And, um, and so, but, and my mom helped me make all my clothes. Oh, so you, you know, made all so, your own clothes. Yeah, made all my own clothes for the competition. I love it. And then I and then I won. And that really, you know, so I think the PR aspect helped me in my speaking as Miss Rodeo America. Then being Miss Rodeo America really set the tone for the rest of my life. That's why when three years later when they started televising rodeos in black and white, no, it's, um, they called me and said, Can you be the sideline reporter for this rodeo? And, um, and that's how you got in, into and that's that how world. I got into broadcast. So you had, you hadn't done that really before mm-hmm. I had been interviewed. I mean, like when I was Miss Rodeo America, I had to do a tour for squeeze parquet, liquid margarine. I was on every talk show from Liqu- Chicago. To, yeah, <laughs> they were a sponsor of the pageant. Uh-huh. You know? And so, um, I was on to tell the truth. I was on the Johnny Carson show. I had that in my notes. So, you were on yeah. the Johnny Carson show <laughs> and he interviewed you. Actually, McLean Stevenson was the guest host that night. Okay. So Johnny Carson didn't interview wow. me. But. And they were just, they, so someone, someone, I guess, watched your interviews and, and, and was like, Pam is well, great. I think the Rodeo Cowboys Association, because I worked closely, I was their ambassador, you know, three years early as Miss Rodeo America. And, um, yeah, I mean, not that there wasn't 20 other Miss Rodeo Americas before me, but yeah. when they, when they started to do it. the first radio I did was live on CBS. It's like, can you do this? Sure. And then it's like, when I tell people that, that my first, my first television job was live on CBS. They're just like, really? Cause that's before there was just CBS sports and everything else. It was, yeah, yeah. it was like everything. Big yeah. CBS. Yeah. Yeah. And did you practice for it or did you know, like, <laughs> no, you just, this was you just were doing interviews like you guys are doing, uh-huh. yeah. you know, you know what you're, I know what I'm talking you're going to react to what they did in the arena. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and the Cowboys had not been interviewed before either. You know, now kids grow up with a hairbrush in the mirror practicing mm-hmm. for what their winning interview is going to be. And these are yeah. like cowboy cow. They're not entertainers. They're cowboy. Cowboys. Yeah, these are. Yeah. I mean, these are. And you're having world to champions. pull out of them because they hadn't been interviewed before. More but than one word but I'll tell you what, a cowboy is not unlike a fisherman. They want to tell you their fish story okay, yeah, or their yeah. rewrite story. You get them talking their, about the yeah. thing that they... And so if you ask a question that relates to what happened, you'll get an answer even if they're shy. Uh-huh. And that's... So at that point where you like, this is a job, this is my career, this is... That's when I started thinking this could be a career. So at, at the time, it was just kind of like, oh, this is a fun opportunity. Yes. Uh-huh. And then a, a light bulb went on and you were like, I want to do more of well, this? Well, no, or? because there wasn't that much more of that. Okay. I mean, I think the next year I did seven and then the next year maybe 12 because there were so few rodeos televised at the time. Mm-hmm. And then in 1980, there was this little fledgling network that said, we're going to do 24-hour sports. And that was ESPN. Everybody said there's no way they can fill 24 hours of sports programming. Now there's how many? But at the time, they even did lawnmower racing on ESPN. <laughs> they were desperate for sports. Uh-huh. Yeah, you look back at early ESPN, and, and you you were the 
sideline reporter. You, yeah. But no one else did it. They were like, you just, no, no. You just kept In fact, getting... when you look back, because you don't know, it's just, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. At the, That was prior to there being any females in any sports. Leslie Visser didn't do the first NFL game, I think, till 81. Okay. And so, um, so it was, you know, long before to be a sideline reporter in a macho sport was kind of not to mention unique, just unique. in general, like in the NBA, in, and yeah, NFL, yeah, any, anything. Yeah, yeah. And and so you, so did you, so were you an employee of ESPN? Were you? No, no, I was employee of whatever production company provided that content. Mm-hmm. Um, they contracted were, that. Yeah. Tra- and was it enough to like, this is a full-time job? This, were you working no, on the side? No, I was married or? to my practice husband at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and he like was an automotive dealer, so uh-huh. I didn't have to work. And so that. you were just traveling. You were traveling around. Yeah, to whatever rodeos. But there was, like I said, there wasn't that many. Mm-hmm. You know, now... Now women can make it a job. There's, you know, we've got a whole network that's just devoted to rodeo in addition to what happens on ESPN and CBS Sports. But at the time, if if it was 12, 12 shows a year and you make a thousand bucks a show, that's, you're not going to eat a lot. Yeah. Either, but, but you were good at it. I got the answers that I needed. But, you, the but they kept at, like, they kept, had, yes, had, yes, yeah. Up until only about 10 years ago, I was the only, still the only one that really did it. So what what made you what made you different? What what made you authenticity? Mm. Um, I never wanted to be the sideline reporter to meet a cowboy. Mm-hmm. My goal was not to shine a light on myself. My goal was to shine a light on them. Mm. And it's the same thing that I'm doing now with my program about draft horses, gentle giants, shining a light on an industry that's underserved. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did in rodeo. I mean, I didn't do it. It's a whole team of broadcasting. Sure. I just happened to be the person that asked the questions. There was also great commentators that, you know, analyzed each of the rides. But, yeah. um, but I think that, and, and the girls that are doing it today, they have to do it for the right reasons. It's just like being in the music industry. If you're in the music industry because you just want to go backstage and hang out, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to, have a long career there before the light gets shined on you as a fraud. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the goal has to be to make a star out of your subject. Mm-hmm. Kind of a selflessness. Yeah, and, and you got to be good at it. You gotta... it's, but I mean, it, it, I think it's the whole key is authenticity. Mm, I would agree with that. I feel like authenticity is kind of like another theme. Maybe it's rebellious because I'm thinking of your horse rebel. Uh, a rebellious theme of like you, you hinted at this a little bit, but like the reason you won, you know, or not the reason, but uh, a reason you won Miss Ro- the, what's the, wait, Miss Rodeo America, Miss Rodeo America is because you actually knew how to ride. ride. You were actually a real yes. cowgirl. And, and then most whenever- of those girls are too, but also, sorry, I interrupted No, no, too, I want to hear. That's, um, I, what I hadn't practiced it. Like a lot of people and you see pageants all the time. I want to save the world and cure cancer. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, But if they asked me a question, I answered it, you know. You were authentic. From the heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like that, uh, because you were the real deal. Like you were a real cowgirl. Like Mm -hmm. you grew up doing that. And then you go into this industry and you're the first woman to do that. And so I would imagine you're probably not going to get a lot of respect if you're just 
if you don't know what I, you're talking about. If I'm just about. eye candy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. If you're eye candy. You and, just... I, and I think that the great thing, though, um, and par- part of what contributed to my success and to opening doors for other women is that um, that I never thought of myself as a girl in a different because cows and horses don't know the difference. That's right. So when you grow up in that industry, ranching, you know, you mentioned your family's ranching. I promise you, it's it's gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Ranching and and the entire you know ranching world is gender neutral because. You got a job to do and you do it and nobody says you're a girl, you can't do it. So I think that as to be asked to do the interviews, it was A, because of my ability to ask the right questions. And oh, by the way, the camera likes her face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But I feel like if if you're in that industry and you don't know anything about roping, riding, anything like yes. that. That's when they're going to say, nah, fraud. You're right. Fraud. You're right. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not yeah. opening yeah. up to Because many of the people that I've interviewed, I've also competed against. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah. so I kick this, their ass. So no. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you're you, doing ESPN, you're doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you still competing? You're competing during oh, this? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I was working, doing shows on ESPN in 82 when I was won the world champion in. Oh, so, eight, so you, you won the world championship in 82. Mm hmm. And that's also when you got the ESPN gig. Well, I did start ESPN in 80 when they started. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you were still competing, still Mm -hmm. riding. Mm -hmm. So were you competing in the rodeos that you were also covering? No, not, not a lot. Um, I did in the nineties, a few rodeos when I started with TNN, Mm -hmm. the Nashville network, uh, because those, that was like Mesquite rodeo close to home, um, Oklahoma. So that was more regional yeah and so so although you know what there was probably a few rodeos that i competed in but i never had to (laughs) i never made the short round to interview myself (laughs) and we're gonna turn it to pam with pam but i did that with reba one time because um i was doing a celebrity rodeo with her and i was in the barrel race and i won it and so then she had to come present me with my buckle and she was like oh i'll just interview you so (laughs) that's so awesome so, so you notice how I name dropped that. Reba. Yeah, yeah. Subtle. Casual. Yeah. <laughs> just, just Reba. It's no yeah. big deal. Um, so you, what you, so let's go back to you just, you won a world championship mm-hmm. for roping. Mm-hmm. So you were practicing this all the time. You were competing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Like what, like, what was that experience like? Well, Did you win money? Did you win? During, yes. And during the time when I, uh, when I won the world championship prior to that, I was, competing full-time in barrel racing because I really desperately wanted to make the national finals rodeo in barrel racing. And when I tell you that, um, because there were so few of these televised rodeos, Mm -hmm. but when I left home in March in Phoenix, I didn't really come home for all practical purposes until September. Um, you know, I mean, you head out to the West coast and you're, you know, you it's don't like fly. Yeah, it's you know, you're you're at a rodeo or two every weekend. Okay. And, and are um, you driving a truck with a trailer? Uh huh. Or a big motorhome with you're a just, trailer? You're just you're just you're driving it yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you have a team? Do you have people? No. It was your husband with you, like no. So no, you're just no. by yourself mm-hmm. driving this. And sometimes another girl will go with you. Another, you know, you'll you'll compete with somebody. You'll compete with somebody else so you can buddy together and. And so you're barrel racing and you're roping, mm-hmm. which is so hardcore. Yeah. And, and well, and then but there's millions of people that do that yeah. now. No, 
that world will not be surprised to hear this, you know. Is it? It's surprising to me. You know, there and I I just what I do. When the day that I turned 16, uh-huh. um in Las Vegas and my dad gave me a new El Camino yeah. with air shocks that I hooked up to my two horse trailer and that night I drove from Vegas to Reno. That's eight, that's uh 400 miles, 8 hour drive. Uh, when you, the day you turned 16. <laughs> Can you with my that? horse. Here's a car. Take this horse trailer. Yeah. On but that Camino. wasn't <laughs> unusual. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, yeah, because I always, you know, whenever you talk to anybody that's in that industry and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I got here, you know, two days ago, been sleeping in my truck, you know, and they just have this like, you know, mattress in the back of the bed of the truck. And, and I'm always like, how do you? And like, how do you, what do you eat? Like, how are you eating? And they're like, well, we know we won a lot this last, last rodeo. So we, we went out to nice steak yeah, restaurant yeah. and stuff, you know, and they're like, oh, we didn't, we had to go to McDonald's this time. It's like, and it's just, and they're saying it like, like it's that's just what like, happens. that's yeah. just life yeah. and yeah. it's just fun. And they're not thinking of it. And I'm like, aren't you nervous? Like, what if you get a streak of five bad rodeos or something like that? You get a bad ride or something like then that. You find a, then you find it. Then you find You might not job. be there. Yeah. yeah you, that's exactly <laughs> what they job. said. You go, well. You find I, a job. I gotta quit. Yeah, I gotta, yeah. you know, I'll stop yeah. going to rodeos. Yeah. Luckily I had a, a real good husband. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I do think you're right. It's like people in the industry are like, that's completely normal. What are that's, you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you the, even shocked? The fact that you're even surprised is surprising. Yeah. 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 And I, I just can't picture, not, no offense to my wife. Uh, <laughs> she's going to hear this, but I just can't picture her pulling a trailer with horses driving across the country by herself. I mean, she, she's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> She could do it. I promise you. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And when I did it with the band, it's like, but we had like five guys and a tour manager and a guitar and we were rotating. Yeah. Doing it solo. So the 80s essentially was you competing. Yes. And doing all this work Mm -hmm. for ESPN and then the the national TNN. And then I came here to do a TV show. Steve Murren calls me to come here to do a TV show at... The Coliseum, which is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived in Arizona at the time and got here, walked the streets of the stockyards with Steve mm-hmm. from Cowtown Coliseum up to Pearls, which was not a dance hall at the time. It was a restaurant. Went okay. up there for lunch. And out the back door of Billy Bob's walks this guy with these tight jeans on and his hair's kind of blowing in the wind uh-huh. and it was Billy. And so I went back to Arizona. I was separated from my practice husband mm-hmm. and I went back to Arizona and moved to Texas. And did you go to a concert that night? Went to see the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so had you been to Fort Worth before? I had, but I didn't remember it. When I was Miss Rodeo America, I came here and did an autograph signing at Ridgemar Mall for <laughs> J- for JC Penney's <laughs> in so 1973, great. but I didn't remember that. I only reason I know that is because it's in my scrapbook. Uh huh. Oh my gosh. And so anyway, so 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 yeah. you came here with Steve and Steve's yeah cowboy. He's and like, that was the end of '82. And that's so, the stockyards yeah. were just kind of becoming this thing. It was not a yeah. A scary how, Billy Bob's had been open for how how many? It had years? been open for a little over a year. It opened in April of '82. So it was new. It was new. This giant crazy. <laughs> music. And what's so thing. funny is people have asked me before, what did you think when you saw Billy Bob's for the first time? Uh-huh. I'm from Vegas. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, 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 did, so did Billy ask you on a date? They're like, y'all watch the Beach Boys together? Oh, like, uh, watch the Beach Boys. Was it like a no, moment? No, just we talked because, you know, Billy 
comes from the rodeo industry. Mm-hmm. He went to the national finals as a bull rider. He had the world's biggest uh, rodeo production company. He used to produce the Fort Worth Stock Show, okay. um, Houston Livestock Show. When he did the Houston Livestock Show, I've got an ad on that I found the other day. One of the years that he produced that rodeo, they had the Jackson 5, Cher, and Elvis. Wow. You know, oh so I mean. Uh, what a lineup. So, but I had met him when I was Miss Rodeo America at Fort Smith, Arkansas, when he was producing that rodeo 10 years earlier. Yeah. So when I meet him that night, it's like, hey, you remember me? Yeah, I remember you, blah, blah, blah. That was it. And then I had to come back the next weekend. I got home on a Monday and a company called Transworld International, a TV company, called me on that Monday and they were like, uh, we didn't even think about it. Because so starting in the early 80s, then people, because of, of ESPN, started to see the value of the excitement of rodeo as a, as a broadcast product. Mm-hmm. And so then here's production companies that had no skill in that. They maybe did other things, didn't even think about silent. They had their, their commentators, you know, their play-by-play and analysts, but they didn't think about the interview aspect. So they called me on that Monday to come back that following weekend, which was Thanksgiving weekend, to do the Youth National Finals Rodeo. And the cool thing is some of my best friends that I rope with now, girls mm-hmm. that I compete with, were competing that, in that. Ro- I mean, I met them at that time. Wow. Yeah. Were you flying? Were you driving? Flying. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. so I wasn't competing. Yeah. Going to Arizona. And so then I went back. So then I came back here the next week and I was like, to Billy, hey, I'm back again. And then Sparks kind of flew. He took me to Joe T's. Yeah, no. there you go. Yeah. yeah. Joe, and then, and then you, then the rest was history. Yeah, Did you move I, here? I went home. I moved here. Moved here during stock show of 83. Of 83. Oh, wow. And then at what point did you get involved with, with Billy Bob's? So you, so you, moved, so, you moved here to be with uh-huh. him mm-hmm. and he's, mm-hmm. he's the general manager of Billy Bob's. Of Billy uh-huh. Bob's. And then, um, I wasn't really that involved with Billy Bob's during the time, uh, during the first life of Billy Bob's. Because you were still then, so busy traveling. Yes. And then in, um, then in 80s, then Billy Bob Barnett was expanding the area. He built, you know, what is now our 81 club at Billy Bob's, but that was a steakhouse at the time. You know, have you been in that venue mm-hmm. across? Yeah. So, um, he, that was a steakhouse and his vision, Billy Bob Barnett's vision for the stockyards is what has come to fruition with the Majestic Heritage Project. Mm-hmm. Billy Bob thought of this 30 years ago. He just didn't have the financing to make the dream a reality. Yeah. And so what he was doing was building this other stuff with the cash flow of Billy Bob's with no capital financing. And that was the demise of Billy just, Bob's originally. Just bootstrapping all yeah. of it. And he, so he was yeah. using the, the, the money Billy Bob's was making. And so... So Billy left in 86 because as the GM, he was like, I can't sit back and watch you take this business and infuse it here. And he and Billy Bob kind of went their separate ways. So we, as in Billy and I, lived on my broadcast income and Billy worked for a bumper company, slopping bumpers and sold insurance. I mean, we had a, a couple of lean years. and had to get then, scrappy. And then Billy Bob's closed because they, you know, Billy saw the writing on the wall. You can't operate like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, 1988, Mr. Hickman and Mr. Jury and Steve reopened the club. And by, they opened it, I think, in October. And by December, they were already so far upside down. Oh, really? That 
they didn't know if they could keep it open. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Hickman, this is such a great story, and I haven't ever told it before, but Mr. Hickman was at a a Christmas party at Cass Edwards, Mm -hmm. and that's that whole Edward Ranch development. And he said to Cass, I've got to, you know, these two two guys, you know, can't run this club. I've got to get somebody that... And Cass told him, he said, you need to call Billy Minnick. Mm. And, mm. Um, and because of Cass, we got back involved in the club. And so Billy's like, can you shut down this bumper company for me? Sure, honey. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he went to work at Billy Bob's. Okay, so he went to work at Billy Bob's, and that was the beginning of 89, okay. uh, like January. And uh, I think in March, I came back from Pocatello, Idaho, from working for ESPN, and he picked me up at the airport and he goes, um, you know about advertising. You can do this. <laughs> and, you know the, about and the next day I started as the marketing director. And by the way, my budget was $3,000 a month because the club was hemorrhaging yeah. money. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, Did that mean you had to stop? stop traveling or were you still doing no, that? No, I could need, still do that, but yeah. there, there wasn't that, you know, that's, that's kind of like the side stuff, hustle, yeah. weekend warrior stuff. And exactly. And, um, that's where I started this, the barter system of sending out tickets to radio stations because we had no money to advertise, okay. but we had a great product. But if you're in Childress, Texas, yeah. tickets to Billy Bob's are premium and yeah. still are. And so I started that. Uh, Wait, so tell that, me what that was like. Like, what were you doing? You were well. I came to work, and I had a desk which uh, I had never had before. Yeah. And um, and I just, I think that marketing. I know that people go to college for that, and they mm-hmm. learn great things about analytics and strategies and structures. But I really believe that marketing is like being an artist. It mm-hmm. mostly comes from your gut. Um, you know if. And I learned while working in the PR department at the Hacienda Hotel that if it's a slow news day, people will tell your story. You know, mm. so my theory is throw enough shit on the wall, something will stick. <laughs> and that's still my theory for uh-huh. marketing. But that's how we started that. That And that was, you know, say Mar- that was March of 89. And then along uh, in about... So, so, you, so you're calling radio stations and saying, mm-hmm. hey, if you talk about Billy Bob's, I'll get... I'll give you some tickets and you can give them away or you can bring your friends or, and that, so that was a lot of your strategy was, Mm -hmm. was, and you mentioned the slow news day. So Mm -hmm. you're calling news outlets and you're just. Yes. And Star Telegram, you know, was a bona fide publication then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there was, uh, Shirley Jenkins was the, uh, country music reporter, got to be really good friends with her and Mm -hmm. she would tell the story and that was the goal. So a lot of your job is like, I'm networking, I'm calling, Mm -hmm. I'm. It, Not unlike what I did when I was Miss Rodeo America. I would have to go into towns and say, hi, I'm Miss Rodeo America. I'm promoting this rodeo. I mean, it was that it it was it was the way we did it. It, it, it. Looking back on it now, realizing that rodeos have, you know, marketing people and things like that. But huge most, teams. But they didn't at the time. Yeah. I can remember in Grants Pass, Oregon, calling up the radio station and just saying, hey, you want to interview me? Uh-huh. That takes balls looking back at it. I don't know how I got that, but yeah. That's so cool. And, and it's, and it's, so Billy Bob's 2.0, did it start to work? Like were people coming? Yes, because. Were you booking um, good acts? Uh, along about July, a guy named Ken Cragen calls me. Uh, 
Ken Cragen managed Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers. Okay. And I had met him in Vegas. Um, and he goes, Hey, I understand that you're at Billy Bob's now. Yeah. He goes, I've got this artist. Um, I don't even care if you pay him, but I just want him to get a feeling of what Texas is like and those, and you know, a big venue. And it was Travis Tritt. Oh, cool. So Travis was our house band for that week there. Travis um, was the house band. Travis was the house band. At the band. small stage? On the small stage. Just for a week? Uh, for a week. <laughs> when, Wednesday through Saturday. That's our, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then um, then uh, Bob Doyle calls and we had, he was like, I've got this new artist. Uh, his name is Garth Brooks. I can still remember, <laughs> but the one of the greatest things that we had, one of the greatest assets that we had is Robert Gallagher. Uh-huh. Robert Gallagher joined during that time when we were gone as as the entertainment director and his relationships and the way that he treats people. Um, there's not an artist that will come there that doesn't want to come back just because the way he treats them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's why I say with everything, whether it's a TV show or a rodeo or my Billy Bob's experience, it's not, nothing is singular. It's all a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so the first time we had Garth, I can remember every, every Monday, I didn't have a computer. So every Monday I would have to retype the concert schedule. And so I still have the on type, a typewriter on a typewriter. I still have the type concert schedule from August 4th, Garth Brooks, reserve seats were seven fifty, and general admission was $5. Oh my and we God. sold 500 tickets and he said on stage. 500 tickets is all, all he sold. That's all he sold. He said on stage, I will sign autographs for anybody that wants one. So then he comes back in. Oh, another story from that same year. Clint Black sitting out in the reception area of Billy Bob's waiting to talk to Robert to see if he can come be a house band at Billy Bob's. <laughs> and so, yeah. So there's a million. And in the eighties, you know, George Strait was the house. Yeah, the, band I there. There's a picture yeah. of you and George Strait. Oh from, yeah. From the eighties, but not yeah. at Billy Bob's. That was at Houston doing okay. a TV show at Houston. Before yeah. he was famous. Before he was famous. I just love that Clint Black, Travis Tritt is your house band. Yeah. And Garth Brooks is just like, begging like yeah, and, and five, for perspective, five. like Billy Bob's holds like, 5,000 people. Legal at 6,030. So yeah. 500 tickets is kind of a flop. It's, it's, um, it's a poor showroom performance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, was he good? we were just, he was so good that uh-huh. the next time we had him in November, it sold out like that. No way. Yeah. yeah. Was, was, so, so was that like, it's like he was starting to like peak, get popularity, was, was it, or he was just that good in Fort Worth? Um, I think he was peaking. I mean, his his songs just got just a lot of attention. Played, yeah. And so then, um, then that would have been eighty nine. Then that that New Year's we had in the same week, Clint Black, Garth Brooks, and on New Year's Eve, Restless Heart. And oh, wow. so I said to Shirley Jenkins, the reporter, because she wanted to come to Clint Black, I said, "You need to see that Garth guy too." Mm-hmm. She goes, "I'm not going to go out two nights in a row." Yeah. And so then I talked her into coming to Garth Brooks and she's still to this day, Shirley still is a reporter. And she goes, thank you for not making me look stupid and not coming to Garth Brooks. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I've never seen Garth Brooks. I would love to. I've I've met Clint a handful of times. We play play with him and he is just so kind. Yeah. He's like, the first time we played the the Grand Ole Opry, 
It was like, knock on the door. Open it up. It's Clint Black standing there. And he's like, hey, guys, I just wanted to welcome y'all to the Opry. And I'm like, that's such a normal people would not do that. Yeah. But, he, but you know, I think that there you go with authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people that it, you, when we talk about marketing and we talked about, you know, marketing being somewhere in your in your brain mm-hmm. and in your heart, not something that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. I think Garth Brooks, from a marketing standpoint, is a genius in mm-hmm. marketing. You know, him and, you know, there's there's a handful of people that just don't need anybody to direct their marketing. It's, because, just na- it's a natural yeah, outflow. Yeah, so yeah. at this point, was your, like, was your identity shifting a little bit? And like, I, I am, this, did that sort of become your, your, your main thing? Or were you, were you still, were you traveling as much? Were you well, still doing- at that same time, and frankly, that same year mm-hmm. is when um, I got the gig doing for working for TNN. So that Mesquite Rodeo, that's, that was, you know, 26 weeks. Um, so half your year, you're driving back and forth every Friday night to Mesquite and then back. And then shortly thereafter in 92 was when the professional bull riders tour kind of started. It wasn't formed yet, but they started mm-hmm. having those events. But the first year on the professional bull riders tour, we only did eight shows mm. Um, so I would work at Billy Bob's Monday through Thursday, fly out of town on Friday, come back on set on Sunday and then probably go to a rope. And sometimes Billy would meet me at, at the airport with my horse so I could go to a competition because uh-huh. oh I was still gosh. trying to make those finals every year for the and team. So you were roping. still practicing. So that uh, yeah, just sounds like an exhausting season. No, that's what, or just it, fun. every bit of it is fun. Yeah. Every, that's like you saying, oh, you have to play music every yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. That's not exhausting uh-huh. because in, when you've got the, the resources in your backyard with your arena and your cattle and your friends like to come over and your husband does it with you, it yeah. makes it fun. Yeah. And so, and Billy Bob's is, starts going well. Yeah. And I mean, truly it was that thing. It was, it was that class of entertainers yeah, that came along at a exploded. really good time. And then shortly thereafter, there were I think five country stations in the market. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Cause was it went from like Nashville music yeah. to this is a U S country U S yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. 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 And Billy Bob's is just this, right in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. And the location <laughs> is so perfect because we always say Billy coined this term that, you know, entertainment is kind of like hauling cattle. Mm-hmm. It's about routing. So if you're playing San Antonio and Oklahoma city, Fort Worth is the natural place to play. Yeah. And, you know, he also says we get them on the way up and on the way down because it's, you know, it's not long after the really big ones outgrow 6,000, yeah. you know. And so then they go on and hopefully they come back. I mean, we've been so lucky that, you know, Hank Jr.'s come back this mm-hmm. year. Miranda's come back. Kid Rock came and played. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so. And there's very few venues that size. It's kind of an unusually yeah, sized. Yeah, yeah. You have a lot of like 300 to 500, 600,000 yeah. cap rooms. Cap meaning capacity. And then you have big, you Huge know, venues, sheds, yeah. which yeah. are like 10, 15,000. And Billy Bob's is kind of right in the middle yeah. of it. And and I know like for, for me, it's like as someone who, who played in venues, small and big all over the country, it's just, it's such a unique experience. And now we've got the poles out of the showroom. Yeah. So it's really nice. We were there. Yeah. We were there last week. 
Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Went, to, went to Josh Weathers. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so did you see where they took the poles? Yeah. Out? Was that great. was that a pit show or was it? Seated? It was seated. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But the, and not having the poles on the stage was yeah. nice. Yes. I and can't that, tell you how many times I hit my head on the. Line. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, you know, we were like, hey, guess what? The fiddle player can get a full stroke now. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> yeah. But some of my, anyways, it's just such a spec. Like I remember the first time. So the first time I played there is actually the first time I ever got on stage. I was, I think I was sixth or seventh grade on Thanksgiving. There was like a blues jam oh, wow. on the small stage with Robert Ely, who was this forward yeah, blues yeah, player. And yeah. I got up and played a song. I have, I have a picture of it somewhere. And then I spent my 21st birthday there. I got kicked out. Um, <laughs> you told me that story before. You Maybe remember I, when you said we've never met? You told me that Maybe story about I getting pr- picked out. I yeah. probably did, but yeah. it was like legendary memory in my yeah. yeah, you were probably there. Probably, <laughs> oh, I was there. I remember that. We used to go dancing there. Before you were twenty-one, or why? Uh, don't what's not a lot of answer that question. Okay. On okay. all I know is, at some point, I went and got. I was in a really good place. Let's just say that. <laughs> and as you should be, I did a twenty-first birthday. Went to Joe T's with my family, and then we went to Billy Lowe's. But at some point, I got a bar stool, oh. and I put it on the dance floor, and I got on top of it, and I started conducting. Oh. Next thing I know, some big bouncer grabs me and yanks me off. <laughs> no sense of humor. We, we would have got kicked out no matter what that. Yeah. Right? But it, anyway, it's just, it's just, but I remember the first like official show we got booked and uh, I don't remember who the book, who was booking at the time. Am I, I I'm not sure, but I was like. Maybe Helen or Robert. I, it, I don't remember. But I, I oh. remember asking about the opening band. I was like, oh. hey, who's, who, what about support? And they're like, support. Like. The opening opening act is is bull riding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. maybe it was Gary Osher. It might it might have been Gary. Yeah, yeah, because that would be a Gary Osher answer. Yeah. The opening act is bull riding. Uh, no, he's yeah. like opening yeah. act. It's bull. Yeah. And I was like, there's bull riding, and I don't know that I realized that. But literally, like that's such a crazy. That's how my husband started at Billy Bob's. He was there from the time it opened in 1981, but for the first eight months, he only managed the bull riding, and then being a numbers guy. Billy Bob came to him in November of that first year, opened in April and November. Billy Bob said, Bill Ryan's the only thing that's within budget. You're going to be the general manager. And that same weekend, they had ZZ Top. Oh, wow. And they oh, insisted wow. that um, the fire marshal makes you, when you do like seated, like a pit show that's yeah. seated, you have to zip tie X number of chairs together so they don't become weapons. So, so there's oh all these seats. I wasn't here at the time. Uh-huh. You know, this is before I moved here. Um, and couldn't serve bottled beer, had to serve them in cups because everybody was afraid they were going to become weapons. Uh-huh. And Billy, that was Billy's first week as GM. And he was like, it did not come with a set of instructions. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> can you, okay. So what can you, like, what were some of your, did you ever, was there anybody you were kind of starstruck by or you'd just been around the entertainment industry so yeah, long? Yeah. And, um, no. Any any acts you like? I just like moments. Someone on stage and like this was just incredible. Oh, I'll tell you, um, Doobie Brothers. Really? And you wouldn't think I would say yeah. that, but their harmony uh-huh. was so amazing mm. that it still sticks with me. Uh-huh. And I still remember the Go Go's. They were good. I the mean, Go-Go's. I love all the country ones. Were you a country music person? Like, yes, I was uh-huh. a country music person for sure. Um, but it's so funny that I guess the, the reason that the shows stick out in my mind that are other than country is because they were so unique. And because most of the time, from a marketing standpoint, 
by Friday, the fat lady's already sung. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the ticket sale and I was gone. I mean, I was there Monday through Thursday. And so most weekends, and that's a common question. People are like, Oh, you work at Billy Bob's. You can go backstage. I was like, yeah, but I pretty much don't, you know, there, there are shows I went to see Miranda. I love Mm -hmm. that. I remember um, Kenny Loggins in what oh, we called fun. Phase Three. Uh-huh. We, we used to have the main stage where it is, the honky tonk stage where it was, and then there used to be these roll up doors halfway through the showroom. Okay. So and it was meant to make it feel more intimate. Smaller. If you didn't sell, you mm-hmm. know, nineteen hundred showroom seats, and so Kenny Loggins was there in in Phase Three because he wasn't quite big enough yet. This is before Footloose. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you're, so the nineties consisted of you still competing, mm-hmm. traveling with TNN, mm-hmm. marketing for Billy Bob's. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's a crazy season. <laughs> the nineties, the two thousands and up until I retired in 2013. Which yeah. didn't last long, apparently. No, I came back in 2017, but now I'm really gone. Mostly. <laughs> you came mostly. back in 2017. And then, and how talk about that? So you were talking, you're like, I'm, I need a break. I'm done. I've done my thing. I'm, st-, and you're, you're still hosting. You're still, yeah, I'm still thing. doing. Well, um, so 20 years ago, I started hosting a show on RFD TV called The American Rancher. Mm-hmm. I still host that today. I'll shoot, I shot three shows last week. I'll shoot three next week. That's so cool. Um, and then, then in 2012, a gentleman named Joe Ricketts, who just happens to own the Chicago Cubs, started TD Ameritrade, but his passion is draft horses. Okay. So he lives in Omaha and he called Patrick, he met Patrick at a Christmas party. Christmas parties have a common theme too, you see. Yeah. Um, Patrick Gotch, the owner of RFD TV there in Omaha, he says to Patrick, you need to do a show about draft horses. Draft horses meaning? The big, the Clydesdales. Purchase, yeah, the Clydesdales, Percherons, Belgians, any of the draft breeds. Mm-hmm. And so Patrick called me, knowing that I'm his resident American rancher girl. Uh Um, Can you do, can you produce a show about draft horses? And what did I say? Yes. Yes. Of course I did. And producing is different than hosting. Yes. Um, And so I said yes. And he goes, I'm going to fly you to Omaha to meet Mr. Ricketts and see his vision. And Mr. (laughs) Ricketts said, you know, I want to, um, I want. I want this to tell stories. I don't want this to just be event coverage. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He goes, I want this to be like the stories you see when you're watching the Olympics. And so we've done that. It, uh, I started in 2012, um, did uh, about 28 new shows per year. Each one of them would rerun. That's a lot of traveling and a lot to do. And you're, did that you're for about, booking the camera crew. You're, no, I was the camera crew. I shot it. You were shooting Posted it? Posted it and edited it. <laughs> How are you shooting it? Just put it on a tripod? Yeah. Well, most of it is not me on camera. Most of it is the story. Okay. And then when we, then when we've, my, my co-host Katie and I, we would just set up the tripod, stand behind it, turn the viewfinder around and do our on-camera intros. Then did we'd you, come home did and you know up. how to do camera stuff? No. <laughs> but... <I> love- <laughs> But I'd been around 7,000 camera crews. Yeah, sure. Most of them looked like I got them at the homeless camp. <laughs> it wasn't like I, 
It wasn't like I thought that it was rocket science, yeah. you know. So you're doing Our everything. first camera that we bought was a Sony Handycam, mm-hmm. but it had an external audio jack that we bought a Seinhauser, Seinhauser microphone, uh-huh. you know. Wow. And but people don't know how hard that is. I, I, I'm like a wannabe photographer. I love, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. photography. It's like a little side hustle. Um, but it's really hard for me if I'm at an event or a party or something where I have to be on and talk to people or entertain or to do, it's hard to do both. It's Uh like two totally different brains. And then editing, video editing is so cumbersome. It takes so, 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 so much time. And you're editing it. Yes. You're going and shooting it. (laughs) You're also directing. Then I come home, take out the SD card, stick Uh it in my MacBook Pro, download the footage, put it in a timeline. Start chopping, chopping it up, <laughs> and you deliver the. Here's the episode. I deliver. I have to. I have to. When I deliver it to the network, um, it it goes on. It the upload is a spare, but you have to. So if wherever the commercial break is, so I have to deliver for a thirty minute show. I have to deliver basically three segments. So there's, mm. you know, A, B, C, so that they. That's how they. Your get. life is so wild. I, I still do that. Though. I I know. That is so crazy. <laughs> Um, so whenever, whenever you're going through the, whenever you're doing all those three things, Billy Bob's and then still competing, still interviewing, is there one of them where you felt like, man, this is really more of my sweet spot is one of them. Did one of them feel like a passion or hobby? Did one of them feel like a job? Like, man, this really feels like work. Was there one that kind of, and, and none of them feel like work even to this day. I mean, it's like the, the only thing sometimes that feels like work is, you know, putting the bondo on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so prepping yourself maybe for the yeah, camera or yeah, for the public. Yeah. Or something. yeah. yeah. Uh, if you had to give up one of those things, but one of the, uh, I'm chopping them up into three things, yeah. marketing uh, for Billy Bob specifically, but just marketing PR. Um, yeah. That's interviewing. Gone. That's pretty much. Gone. So you would yeah. say if you had to give up one of those yeah. three, that would be it. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I'll always be at my core is a cowgirl. That's, I mean, the thing yeah. that I'll never not have is horses. You know, we live on 30, 30 plus acres. And yeah. I don't know how a person could not, you know, live. I don't know how they couldn't pee off the porch. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good, that's a good and, line right and there. At some point in here too, you also st- like help start a record label and you had like the live of Billy Bob's albums. And that's such a great story to give us that. Okay. Do we really have time? But, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Give us that. And then I'm going to okay. pepper you with some random questions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Rick Smith, just a little musical genius, you know, another guy that didn't believe that there was anything he couldn't do. Um, he was producing um, CDs for like Pier One Imports, you know, elevator music mm-hmm. and things like that. And a friend of ours named Buffalo Kinzer, who worked at Letty's, an American hat company, Buffalo's. Great, great name, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Buffalo's way. now passed away. But mm-hmm. Buffalo happened to be in West Palm Beach on a boat with Rick Smith, when Rick said, you know, I'd love to start doing some country music. Buffalo goes, hang on, calls Billy. He's like, Billy, I'm in West Palm Beach with this guy that says he wants to do some country music. And Billy's like, well, come on out. So Uh then Rick comes in and to hear Billy tell it is charming. Rick walks in his office with, it looks like John Denver. Uh Did did you ever get a chance to meet Rick? Uh Yeah. Yeah. So Rick comes to his office, looks like John Denver with his little, glasses and long hair 
wearing an Armani suit, uh-huh. <laughs> makes this pitch to Billy. And Billy's like, dude, the next time you come in here, you better have some cowboy boots on. <laughs> and so unbeknownst to us, even though he lived in West Palm Beach at the time, his family is from from Fort Worth. And mm-hmm. so so anyway, we um, we agreed. And w- what the only songs that we the only artists that we could do were artists that were between label deals, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously no label's going to say, sure, you're playing at Billy Boys, you can record there for another label. So we were going to do Merle Haggard. Mm-hmm. He was playing on December 30th of, of that year, 1998. So we put in this whole fancy schmancy recording thing. And uh, the first of the month, we were like, man, do you think we should practice this? Not just take put all our eggs in the basket of Merle uh-huh. for the first thing. So we had Pat Green booked on December 4th of that year. So um, it was a test. Okay. But it was also the very first and it became one of, it's still one of the greatest, that and Willie are two greatest sellers of the, I, of I, the I, I, I think I have both of those. I might've had yeah. them wrong. The Pat Green one was huge because he yeah. was, that was right when he was just exploding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it was one of the first live albums I had heard. And anyways, it, I, I still have like fond memories of that. And you could, yeah. you could buy them at like gas stations and stuff. You go into gas stations across yes, Texas yeah, and they'd have yeah. live and Billy Bob. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and you were promoting that and marketing those. And, well, and they had their team as well, but it, yeah. but yes, if the, the, the Smith music has their team, mm-hmm. but the live at Billy Bob's always marketed through us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was your, you were running that too. That's, yeah. But that's just part of Billy Bob's. That's so just cool. No different than anything else. Okay. Okay. Handful and, of, oh, and then we, then, Rick said a few years later, you know, let's produce Willie's Picnic. It was Rick's idea to do, to bring Willie's Picnic. Because that was originally World. here, right? Well, it was originally in Austin and Lukenbach and all those places. And then y'all brought it here. 2004 or six, we brought it here and did it for several years. And how many people were, were, were at that? Uh, 20,000, 21,000. So it was a out huge, in the field. Huge, huge, yeah, yeah, big yeah. event. But that was Rick's idea. Yeah. That's wow. awesome. Um, okay. I want to talk real quick about. Your style, because I've I found thing you described as bling cowgirl. Okay, because you have yeah. your own. You have a great. This is what I. You know what's so funny is I mean this is what I wear every day. This obviously not the blingy stuff, yeah. but but this is how I dress. Uh-huh. And I'll go places, and people will say that's such a cute costume, and I was like, <laughs> it's not. I mean, even in Fort Worth, I'll walk into a bank. That's such a cute costume. It's not my costume. This it's, is it. This is it. But yeah. it's like Western, but with some like. I like a little. little yeah, sparkle. Yeah. When I, you know, growing up in Vegas, um, yes, yeah. you know, Vegas. you, you, I, when I was little, I wanted to be Cher because she could wear rhinestones to the grocery store and nobody would question her. Yeah. And that's still my <laughs> aspiration. I like it. I like that. Um, Vegas cowgirl. I read some. Okay. Tell me what this is. I read somewhere that you were Coca-Cola's woman of the year. Yeah. Coca-Cola used to be a sponsor of rodeo. Okay. And each year they would, uh, do an award for the person that best promoted the sport. Uh And I won that. Yeah. I've got a beautiful bronze. Mm, That's, that's, I was like Coca-Cola's woman of the year. That's pretty wild. Um, what was the best decision you ever made? Moving to Fort Worth. Hands down. Which is, it's interesting. You like, I would have thought Nashville would have been where you, where you landed just with the You've country. You've never heard the, me sing. 
<laughs> but I mean, just in terms of like country and like, it seems like the, like some even like TNN, the national network. Yeah, is yeah. Based I spent a lot of time there, but there's no rodeos there. in Nashville. But moving yeah. to Fort Worth was yeah. the best decision you yeah. ever made. Um, what advice would you give your younger self? Like, is there anything you wish you knew? Mm-hmm. Thank the Lord, there was no social media when I was. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. I. I, I wouldn't do anything different, but the best advice I could give anybody else mm-hmm. at that age is don't be afraid to try it. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, that it's not an option. I don't, I don't recall missing an opportunity because it scared me. Mm-hmm. Um, they say if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Mm-hmm. So. Were there points where you kind of second guessed yourself at all, or like what did you do when you had doubts? Did you just did you have doubts? Did you have? Not yet. I love it. That's crazy. Was there any like books or resources or things that were just really influential in your life? Like, mm-hmm. I read this, but it just impacted me in a big way or meant a lot. I still tell people that this impacted my life. It's a book called uh, by Dale Car- Carnegie, mm-hmm. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, yeah. great book. I read it like and five times. Exactly. I still give it out to people. Mm-hmm. You know, girls that are going to be in pageants, you know. Um, Barbara Walters wrote a book, too, called How to Talk to Practically Anyone About Practically Anything. Uh-huh. That's um, cool. And that, uh, that, that helped me. But most hands down, Dale Carnegie. Yeah, that's a great book. That is. That's one I like read every couple of years. And it's so, yeah, and, it's so and old it's so, and it's so timeless. It's so timely. I know. Yeah. I just got it when I was like, I need to go and get some of these. So I ordered them on, on Amazon. And I was like, will you be tired and all? No. It's like common sense. Mm-hmm. Do you have like, do you have like core values or missions? Like anything you say a lot or sayings or like, these are just, these are minic things. And we, we you know, we say these a lot. Or I said these to my kids and, and. Is there any like, like values or phrases or just, I mean, you talked about authenticity. You talked about, you know, taking, not being afraid afraid to take risks. Nothing that I say, but the way that I live my life, I say it's the cowboy way. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I just think that, um, you know, just the, like the boards I serve on that help people is, you know, there, there was a time in my life where I couldn't afford to write the big check to be a sponsor or, Mm -hmm. you know, by the table at the fundraiser, but I could get my butt there and help them decorate and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think that working and serving is, is important, but it's the cowboy way. I love that. Um, what, what, if you, um, you know, you're still obviously, I mean, <laughs> you know, winning championships uh, <laughs> this year. So, um, but, but if you're, if you're kind of like, you know, in reflection, you know, if, if they were, if, you know, People are going to kids, grandkids, you know, friends, coworkers. They're like, man, Pam was this to me, or she left a legacy of this. Like, do you have that? Have you thought of that yet? Like, this is what I, I want to be remembered. How other people, but I, but I do know that there are so many ladies that have entered the broadcast field mm-hmm. um, that just, you know, always comment on the doors that I open, and I think okay. that that's so important. Um, why should you make it diff? If you've walked through this door and you know the combination to that key, mm-hmm. why not share it? Because there's mm-hmm. enough room for everybody. And I find that um, not so much in the Western world, but in other, you know, fields that I've been in, 
people are less likely to be forthcoming Yeah. or, you know, I did it the hard way. So you got to too. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, you know, I want to be remembered as somebody that opened a door for somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I noticed that even on your Instagram, you're like, you've promoted a lot of like younger up and coming uh, people, girls. Yeah, girls yeah, who are like yeah. kind of do, do, doing yeah. that space. I, I was yeah. scrolling through the Most feed Most of the night. girls that currently work on the Cow Cowboy Channel, I either helped them get their job or mentored them at, before they even applied. Mm -hmm. One girl, Amy Wilson, that's on there right now. I mean, I sent her resume to the Cowboy Channel eight times and said, really? you need to hire this girl. Wow. I'm telling you, you do, before they hired her. Wow. So, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's a good, that's a good question. Yeah. And that remember for, cause I feel like that, that kind of trains, I mean, that is the cowboy way. I mean, mm -hmm. that you're describing, that is this, the spirit, it's a way of life of this grit, tenacity, taking chances, authenticity. Those are some of the words I wrote down from this, but, but you're also, you're taking that spirit and then saying, okay, here's how this is lived out. Yeah, Let me help yeah, you. Yeah. Um, and that, that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. I just, by I just, that. um. I don't understand people that are me people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And so, and even going back to like your interview style, you're like so much of us, I'm highlighting them. I'm, exactly. I'm and I think it should be. You know? Yeah. Mm, that's special. You look uh, at what a good job you guys are doing highlighting me. Well, yeah. This, it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this is fun. This is this worth is highlighting. Okay. This is my last, my last question. Um, Make it a good one. Yeah. This, is, this is a silly one. So what, what, when you go into a Billy Bob's, what is your like drink of choice? What do you, what do you, what do you order when you, oh, I'm, I'm going that, superficial for my last one. That's changed over the years. For the longest time it was Jaeger. Uh-huh. Jaeger, Jaeger, Jaeger. <laughs> really? And then <laughs> when, um, then when I got Invisalign, uh -huh. I didn't want to drink anything that was dark colored. Yeah. So then I started on Tito's. So Tito's. now it's Tito's. So, but it was so we'll see you side stage with the Tito's. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you get to go, do you, go, do you catch more concerts these days? Cause you're less. No, I don't. You're still equally as busy. I'm well, I'm not only equally as busy, but, um, you know, Billy's not very mobile and mm -hmm. I don't want to just go and hang out and, yeah. Yeah. you know, be, Hey, look at me party. Yeah, so, that's right. Cause I would have loved to go see Midland last week, but I don't, you know, and Billy probably would have gone to see Midland, but it's a chore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. That's right. So what, what's next? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to Shipshawana, Indiana, the home of the Amish world. Um, Wait, to, and which show is this for? This is for Gentle Giants. Produ Gentle Giants. I'm producing the Six Horse Hitch World Finals. So, and not only am I going to produce their TV show there, but I'm also doing all of their openings for their big screens and uh, editing all that for them. And then they do a Hall of Fame. So I have to do, put together two... Hall of Fame little bio thing. So and you're producing, editing all that. I'll be, I'll be editing for the next two weeks a lot. So that's <laughs> that. And then nothing. I mean, we've, our, our life is so much slower than it used to mm -hmm. be. Sure. You know, Bill, for 30 years, Billy went to work every Monday through Friday on Fridays, he would drive home, shower and drive back to Billy Bob's yeah. and go in every Saturday night. I mean, till he was, high seventies, you know, yeah. he's 83 now. So, yeah. Yeah. So now, um, he's hoping he can get to the point from a mobility standpoint when it, where he can get back on his horse. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. but, um, yeah, our life's kind of slow. Yeah. World championships come up in November in Oklahoma city. For are you going to, are you going to compete again? Me and smarty and champ. 
Oh man, you're going going oh, round yeah. round. I qualified two horses this year. You did? Wow, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys. Yeah, Thank you really guys great. for what you do for the community and telling these stories. Because this is the coolest. Like I said, best thing I ever did was move to Fort Worth, and you're part of what makes it special. Yeah. Well, you you are too, and we're we're appreciative that you're and you're I, here. This right is fun for me. Cause, yeah. High five. I'm just <laughs> I've been an admirer and a fan uh-huh. for years. And it was just, you know, part of the reason I'm doing the podcast is I get to, there's people I've wanted to sit down and just hear their story and learn from. And, and you were one of those. And so this was secretly a a chance for me to just Mm -hmm. wrinkle you down and get to have a conversation with you, which was. And find out what makes me tick. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So this is fun. You're awesome. Crazy, inspiring story. Uh, Yeah. Glad you're here. Thanks. Thanks, Pam. Congratulations, you made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, sixthavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by Six Ave Storytelling and organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story you're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too thanks for listening